Hello, and welcome to the Emotional Expedition Podcast. I'm Meg Thomas, and if you want to live a more open-hearted, magical life, it all starts with your emotions. This podcast will take you on a journey, helping you to better understand, express, release, and heal your emotions. Let's get exploring. Last week, I had the extreme honor of hosting my first breathwork class with two of my dearest friends, and breathwork has totally changed my life, and now I get to witness it changing other people's lives. It's truly incredible. I've meditated for years, and sometimes even having 31-minute practices that I would do for over 90 days in a row, and some really, really magical things happened with practices like that. But the thing I always struggled with was my mind would rarely shut off or get quiet. But breathwork gets me there every time, every single time. And it's called transient hypofrontality. And basically the judging thinking part of our brain goes offline when we do breathwork and it becomes quiet. It's in this place that inspiration can find me. My intuition, my inner voice speaks to me. But we can't get there without going through some discomfort. I don't actually love to do breath work. I probably love it much less than many of the other things that I do, like yoga and meditation. But I love how I feel after it. So it's in those 20 minutes or so after that feel like total bliss, total, pure, unconditional love. And this week's episode is all about boredom, the good, the bad of it. And what I know for sure is when I'm doing breath work, my ego is trying to get me to stop. It's trying to tell me how boring it is, how much better anything else I could be doing would be. And we have to build a relationship with boredom to be able to get to that magic. So this chapter, we're, we're finally starting chapter three of Atlas of the Heart by Brene Brown. It's called Places We Go When Things Don't Go As Planned. And in this chapter, we'll explore boredom, disappointment, expectations, regret, discouragement, resignation, and frustration. But for today, we're just going to focus on boredom. So Brene's definition from Atlas of the Heart is boredom is the uncomfortable state of wanting to engage in satisfying activity but being unable to do it. When we're bored, we experience a lack of stimulation. Time seems to pass very slowly. And if we're working on tasks, they seem to lack challenge and meaning. And how we feel about boredom is completely dependent on the situation. So boredom can leave us going kind of two totally different directions. On one hand, it can wind us up, have us feeling irritable, frustrated, restless. And on the other hand, it'll make us totally feel lethargic. And what differentiates these two is it comes down to control. When we have more control and autonomy, over the boring tasks, then we'll typically feel lethargic. And if we have little control or no control over whatever boring tasks we have to do, we tend to feel more frustrated. It can get us that amped up feeling. Think of it this way. If you were to assign yourself something that is super boring to do, 
then this is when you're going to find yourself mindlessly scrolling on social media. But if somebody else assigns you something totally boring to do, more than likely you're going to be feeling frustrated, irritated, even resentful. So if we're assigning it to ourselves, can go more to that lethargic feeling. If somebody else is forcing us to do something boring, that's when the resentment, frustration comes in. Most of us think of boredom as a negative feeling, but it isn't always the case. There's a good side to boredom, and I think it's really important that we start to understand it. A recent study showed that simple, boring tasks or mundane activities can allow our minds to wander, daydream, and create. The lack of stimulation that defines being bored, it gives our imagination room to play and grow. Sherry Turkle said, boredom is your imagination calling to you. And I have lots of examples, including my own, of how this shows up in my life. So my friend Iona Holloway, who I had the pleasure of interviewing last month on the podcast, she does these weekends that she calls NSFW, which means no stupid phone weekend. And her rules are no email, no phone, no social media, no podcast, no educational content. Music is allowed. And they usually start out a bit uncomfortable in that detoxing from our vices stage. But then she gets to the space where she starts to hear her own ideas again. The boredom creates space for creativity to be born. My dear friend Emily, who's a screenwriter, was struggling with writer's block, so she cut herself off from consuming anyone else's stories for at least a month. No movies, no shows, no stories. And you want to know what happened? She became inspired and wrote a totally new screenplay in the time she usually would have spent watching other people's creations. And right now, I am in the Doing the Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And it's a 12-week book. This is the second time I've done it in a group. And I am just getting to the next week will be the week when I go off from consuming anything, not reading other people's books, not watching shows or listening to podcasts. And I'm totally dreading it. But I know the magic that can come out of it. And I can't wait to see what my writing looks like when I take a time out. Back when I was photographing weddings, I wouldn't look at other photographers' images of any location I was going to because I wanted to be inspired. I wanted my own ideas when I got there. I wanted to hear my own thoughts. And just last year when I was taken off of all social media when my accounts were hacked, I was offline for about at least three months, in which time I spent more time meditating and leaning into being bored And that's when I was inspired to start a podcast, which was an idea that I had never had before. So yes, I'm a huge proponent of boredom and the magic can come out of it. But I agree, it's totally uncomfortable to be bored. Brene talked about her process of when she's doing what I would call deep work, like working on writing a book or coding data that when she takes breaks, she'll watch super predictable, formulaic mysteries, even ones she's seen 10 times before. These types of shows would totally bore her normally, but when she's working on a big project that takes a lot of mental work, 
something weird happens. She goes on to say that it's like the show lulls that easily distracted part of her brain into a rhythmic stupor, setting free the deeper meaning-making part of her brain to engage and start making connections between things that don't seem connectable. She sits on her couch with a notepad next to her because the more bored she gets, the more ideas bubble to the surface. When I heard this story, I totally related to it. Cue my love of super cheesy, formulaic Hallmark movies. And I'd go on to say that maybe why their particular formula is so popular. Maybe it's because we do so much mental and deep work in a day that watching a show like this gives us time to shut off our brains, to become bored. There's times when I'm in the mood for watching a show that requires all of my attention to follow along, like Outlander, for instance. And then there's times when a super predictable Hallmark movie is all I can handle. I think this also may be why such great ideas come to me in the shower. My mind is bored. It's quiet. Showering is routine. Not much thought goes on. So more creative ideas can come in. Driving on a straight, easy highway can be the same sort of thing. I've recorded many notes to myself using the voice memo app on my phone while driving. And kids... Can boredom actually be good for kids? Yes. What starts as boredom can turn into daydreaming and creating if we can just hold space for our kids and allow them to be bored and let creativity be born. We need to teach kids how to be more comfortable with being bored, and it starts with us getting more comfortable with being bored. On the On Purpose podcast with Jay Shetty, he was interviewing Yuval Harari, the author of the book Sapiens, on why boredom is good for you. And Yuval said, our inability to deal with boredom is one of our greatest weaknesses. In any meaningful journey, you have to go through boredom. We need to take time off, take time off from television, social media, our phones, go hiking, unplug, be in nature, meditate, yoga, whatever it is. He says you have to go through a desert of boredom. It's kind of like being at an airport waiting to get to your destination. You have to experience some boredom along the way. If you're in a conversation that doesn't allow space for boredom, It will never reach anywhere if all we're ever doing is repeating the same concepts, the same stories over and over again, filling the space with words, then what are we actually learning? If we can get more comfortable with being bored, leaving space in the conversation that we're having, that's when the opportunity to learn something new will come in. If you're hiking and after three hours you get bored and It's just monotonous. It's the same step by step, right? If we stop doing things when we get bored, we'll never reach the interesting part of the journey. We'll never reach the summit, the geographical or the inner part of the journey. We need the discipline to go through the boring and sometimes painful and scary parts. We hate being bored. Yeah, we're going to do just about anything to not be bored. And there was uh, Jay Shetty gave us on his podcast, he said 80% of us will pull out our phone in a crowd just to not feel lonely or bored. We have seen this everywhere. You're on a train, you're on a bus, whatever it is, everyone's on their phone, not being able to not just sit there without it, right? And you've all said, 
Boredom can actually feel painful, but not like severe pain, a more subtle kind of pain, which many people find far more intolerable than heroic, severe pain. And on the Hidden Brain podcast, they did an entire podcast dedicated to boredom, and they came up with some really great stories and really great studies about boredom. And they shared when astronauts are in space, they eat more hot sauce than normal. And one hypothesis is boredom, a lack of sensory stimulation from your environment, and they're compensating by using more hot sauce. English researchers gathered Irish university students and divided them into two groups. One group had to draw lines on paper for a very long time. The other group did the same task, but only briefly, so they got bored. Then they had to They had these participants play judge. So the researchers presented a hypothetical case about an Englishman beating up an Irishman and asked the participants what prison sentence they'd impose. Those who were deeply bored imposed far longer sentences than those who were not bored. The bored people gave their fellow Irishmen a shorter sentence than the people who weren't bored. And some scientists say boredom creates a feeling of meaninglessness. And when we feel things are meaningless, we seek meaning. And one way we do it is by aligning more closely with our own tribe and discriminating against those we perceive as outsiders, hence Irish versus English. The people who weren't bored gave very similar sentences. And the Irish volunteers who were bored were more willing to give the English longer sentences and their fellow Irish shorter sentences. And just think about our own jury system. There's a lot of space for boredom to set in on jury duty. I know I have been on it. My husband was recently on it. So the question to think about is, does boredom on jury duty elicit a bias or longer sentences? I don't know. Just got me thinking about it. In another study trying to elicit boredom, people were tasked with copying very Wikipedia pages like how to make cement. And what researchers found was the more bored they got with the mindless tasks, the more their minds went to their own nostalgic memories. So being bored can put us in a useful state of mind that is more open to daydreaming, creativity, reminiscing, imagination. And my favorite story, this one is wild. Richard Larson at MIT, he did this study on business passengers arriving on the early morning flights to the Houston airport. And these passengers were lodging complaints about being bored as they waited for their bags and baggage claim. The airline company, they did everything they could. They brought in consultants They brought in extra baggage handlers trying to reduce the waiting time for bags to eight minutes max, and nothing worked. The complaints still kept coming in. So the airlines dug deeper, and they discovered that these business passengers were only spending a couple minutes disembarking from the plane and then six or seven minutes waiting in the baggage claim. So get this solution. (laughs) The solution was... They moved the arrival gate further away from the baggage claim. So now the passengers spent six or seven minutes walking to baggage claim and then only one or two minutes waiting for their bags. 
and it worked. The complaints completely disappeared. This is our desire to not be bored. Crazy. And James Danker, a PhD professor of cognitive neuroscience at the University of Waterloo, he said that in many ways, boredom is a modern luxury, that the word boring as it's used now didn't even enter our common language until the Industrial Revolution gave us time to spare. Early on in human history, when our ancestors had to spend most of their days securing food and shelter, boredom wasn't an option. It's a new concept. He found that people highly prone to boredom perform poorly on tasks that require sustained attention and are more likely to show increased symptoms of both ADHD and depression. And psychologist John Eastwood PhD of York University in Toronto, he said, in today's electronic world, it's rare to be stuck with absolutely nothing to do. Most of us are bombarded by near constant stimuli such as tweets, texts, and seemingly limitless supply of cat videos right at our fingertips. But all of those diversions don't seem to have alleviated society's collective boredom. The reverse may be true, says Eastwood. These might distract you in the short run, but I think it makes you more susceptible to boredom in the long run and less able to find ways to engage yourself. Being underwhelmed can be problematic for the rest of us as well. It's correlated with drug abuse, gambling, and overeating. Eastwood is now studying how tedium affects gambling behavior in the lab, and the research is preliminary, but he says... So far, it appears that men are more likely to make more risky bets when they're bored. And we know that when people are bored, they're more likely to make performance errors and likely to not be as productive, which is a big deal if you're an air traffic controller or if you're monitoring a nuclear plant. And Teresa Belton, she's a PhD research associate. In 2001, she studied the influence of television on children's storytelling. She found that the main ingredient in children's stories was their own direct experience, and she attributed some lack of imagination in many stories to children resorting to TV time when they were bored. And since the study was done in 2001, it's only increased dramatically the amount of TV time and screen time that kids are getting. Whenever children are bored, they're likely to turn on one of these electronic things and be bombarded with stimuli from the external world rather than having to rely on internal resources or devise their own activities. And on the other hand, boredom can prompt people to move out of tedious routines. Belton recently interviewed people known for their creative success, including an artist, a novelist, a poet, and a neuroscientist. They all said boredom can instigate new thinking and prod them into trying new things. The poet took up his craft in middle age after finding himself stuck in a hospital bed for several hours with nothing to do. The only paper he had available was a stack of post-it notes, so he began writing poetry, the most practical activity to fit on three square inches. If people don't have the inner resources to deal with boredom constructively, they might do something destructive to fill the void, Belton says. Those who have patience to stay with that feeling and the imagination and confidence to try out new ideas 
are likely to make something creative out of it. And there's even evidence, you know that phrase, bored to death, that there's some truth to it. There was a study um, in 1985, the Whitehall study, British civil servants answered questions about social detriments of health, including some questions about boredom. More than two decades later, Annie Britton and Martin Shipley, both PhDs, compared their responses with death records. They found that the people who reported experiencing a great deal of boredom were more likely to die young than those who were more engaged with the world. The researchers theorized that boredom was probably a proxy for other risk factors as well, such as drug and alcohol use. Boredom is also associated with performance detriments, which in some cases can lead to serious problems. Now let's talk about boredom and habits. James Clear is author of Atomic Habits, an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. This book is by far my favorite, favorite book on building habits. And it's because he teaches us to lean more into the identity, to who we're becoming rather than the habits themselves. James says, the greatest threat to success is not failure, but boredom. We get bored with habits because they stop delighting us. The outcome becomes expected. And as our habits become ordinary, we start derailing our progress to seek novelty. Perhaps this is why we get caught up in the never-ending cycle, jumping from one workout to the next, one diet to the next, one business idea to the next. And as soon as we experience the slightest dip in motivation, we begin seeking a new strategy, even if the old one was still working. As Machiavelli noted, Men desire novelty to such an extent that those who are doing well wish for a change as much as those who are doing badly. Here's a story that James shares from Atomic Habits. He said, on this particular day in the gym, there was a coach visiting who had worked with thousands of athletes over his long career, including some nationally ranked athletes and Olympians. I introduced myself and we began talking about the process of improvement. What's the difference between the best athletes and everyone else? I asked. What do the really successful people do that most don't? He mentioned the factors you might expect genetics, luck, talent. But then he said something I wasn't expecting. At some point, it comes down to who can handle the boredom of training every day doing the same lifts over and over and over. His answer surprised me because it's a different way of thinking about work ethic. People talk about getting amped up to work on their goals, whether it's business or sports or art. You hear people saying things like, it all comes down to passion or you have to really want it. As a result, many of us get depressed when we lose focus or motivation because we think that successful people have some bottomless reserve of passion. But this coach was saying that really successful people feel the same lack of motivation as everyone else. The difference is they still find a way to show up despite the feelings of boredom. According to him, it's this ability to do the work when it's not easy that separates the top performers from everyone else. That's the difference between professionals and amateurs. All right, so how do we do this? How do we overcome boredom? How do we work when we've lost our motivation? 
this I am particularly interested in because I am writing a memoir and I have to write every week. And I'd like to write multiple times a week to really be able to move this forward. And I struggle with it. There are some habits that come so easy to me, whether it's meditating or doing yoga, walking every day, hiking every day, all those kind of things. But for some reason, I have such resistance to writing. But the moment I sit down and write, I actually love it. So how do we overcome this boredom? How do we actually work when we've lost our motivation? James Clear says, all too often, we think our goals are all about the result. We see success as an event that can be achieved and completed. Here's some common examples. Many people see health as an event. If I just lose 20 pounds, then I'll be in shape. Many people see entrepreneurship as an event. If we could get our business featured in the New York Times, then we'd be set. Many people see art as an event. If I could just get my work featured in a bigger gallery, then I'd have the credibility I need. These are just a few of the many ways we categorize success as a single event. But if you look at the people who are consistently achieving their goals, you'll start to realize that it's not the events or the results that make them different. It's their commitment to the process. They fall in love with the daily practice, not the individual event. And what's funny, of course, is that this focus on the process is what will allow you to enjoy the results anyway. If you want to be a great writer, then have a best-selling book is wonderful. But the only way to reach that result is to fall in love with the process of writing. If you want the world to know about your business, then it'd be great to be featured in Forbes magazine. But the only way to reach that result is to fall in love with the process of marketing. If you want to be in the best shape of your life, then losing 20 pounds might be necessary. But the only way to reach that result is to fall in love with the process of eating healthy and exercising consistently. If you want to become significantly better at anything, you have to fall in love with the process of doing it. You have to fall in love with building the identity of someone who does the work rather than merely dreaming about the results that you want. In other words, fall in love with boredom. Fall in love with repetition and practice. Fall in love with the process of what you do and let the results take care of themselves. That's why I love his work. It's not just about the habits. It's about the becoming, the becoming of who you want to be. So in summary, this is what I'm taking to now understand about boredom. It can be bad for you. It can lead you to making mistakes at work. It can have a decreased effect on your health. It can even cause you to gamble, drink, eat, or whatever your vice is more just to avoid feeling it. But it can also be good for you Boredom can lead to increased creativity, imagination, and daydreaming. And above all else, we need to get better at being comfortable with being bored and teaching our kids to be more comfortable with being bored. We need imagination and creativity in our world. And one of my favorite quotes was from Henry Ford, and he said, if he had asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. We need people like Henry Ford with imaginations and sparks of creativity for the things that don't exist yet. And if boredom can help us get there, then let's get better at being bored. I want to leave you with a poem. 
This is from the book called To All the Magic in Me by Pavita Singh, and it's a poem. Dear Boredom, you make me want to escape certain situations. As you don't create the most pleasant of surroundings, but from you, new ideas are born. You give the mind permission to wander, as is its nature, and it can go quite far without even leaving home. You give me no choice but to make do in whatever confines in which I'm stuck. And from that, much magic can arise. You also allow me to simply be and find comfort in the blank spaces in between. Thank you, boredom. Love me. And now, go and be brave enough. I'm so grateful you're here. Thank you for listening. And if you loved this episode, will you please share it with a friend or two? Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you're sure to never miss a single episode. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.